Hello and welcome back to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. As always, this is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Truly hope that we are everyday Christians. You know, sometimes it can be easy to, I guess, human nature to compartmentalize our faith, and we shouldn't do that. We need to let our faith shine throughout the week. Uh, we're not just Chris- Christians on Sundays and Wednesdays. And so from time to time on this podcast, uh, I'd like to remind ourselves of that as, uh, again, the title of this podcast uh, implies. We are continuing our study of First John. We're getting into the last chapter this week. We're looking at First John chapter 5, and we want to look at verses 1 through 13. And then, Lord willing, next week we will uh, wrap up First John chapter 5 and the book. And then we'll be heading for uh, Second John, Third John, and Jude. And those will be the, the uh, running commentary of these books, if you will, uh, for this season. Of course, we do have some other topics lined out for the rest of this season as well, so also be on the lookout uh, for those later uh, in this season. We have uh, been talking about love a lot in this book of First John. Also, uh, John is going to tell us here in chapter 5 about the certainty of God's witness to the truth concerning the gospel. Very, very important chapter. There are a few verses in this chapter that are pretty difficult, and uh, to be honest with you, I'm going to try to give it my best effort. I'm going to uh, reference Brother Guy in Woods a little bit and when he thought about a couple of these verses. Some of these are pretty tricky, but I'll do my best. Uh, you might want to do some more thorough study for yourself. You might come up with a little bit different angle of, of thought on some of these, but I've kind of looked at it and hopefully uh, we can at least get the gist of it. But verses 1 through 5, we want to cover some more thoughts about love. Again, that is a common theme in, in the book of First John. And as we begin here, this is really a continuation of the thoughts that we mentioned from chapter 4, the last couple of verses. So I'm going to read those again, chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. There we read, If someone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. John says then that it is absolutely imperative that Christians love one another. We must not ever hate one another. Last week toward the end of the episode, you remember, I kind of encouraged us to make sure that we're not running around and pretending to hate one another or uh, actually hating others. That's a very serious business. We need to make sure that we're not doing that. Uh, chapter 5, we're going to go into this chapter uh, seeing that believers in Christ are born of God, and we are to love believers in Christ. We're equally uh, born of God together, the children of God, and so we need to love one another accordingly. So verse number one, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Now, immediately, we need to make sure and throw up a, a disclaimer on this verse, and that is don't take this out of context. I'm sure that 
many in the denominational world would love to just rip this verse right out of its context and try to preach faith only. And that is not what John is saying here. John is not saying that the sum total or the end-all be-all of Christianity is belief only. That's not what he is saying at all. He's saying that a believer in Jesus as the Christ is one who is born of God, and when someone is born of God, we are to love that person. We are to love others who are born of God just as ourselves. Everyone who loves him who begot, so that that's God, also loves him who is begotten of him, and so that would be Christians. Now, this is talking about believers in the sense of people who uh, are of faith, people who are Christians. And again, sometimes the Bible uses the terminology of believers in that way, but it's not just mere belief only. Now, the Bible never says that faith only is the only thing that we need to go to heaven. It simply isn't so. So a general statement here about believers, Christians, we are to love one another. Now, a verse that I like to always go to regarding faith and making sure that we understand that true faith includes obedience would be Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, by the way, that that just that first part of the verse right there shows that once saved, always saved is false. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe. What kind of belief? A belief that is to the saving of the soul. Well, who believes to the saving of the soul? Well, read the entire next chapter. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abel did this. By faith, faith uh, Moses did this. And on and on and on, we can read about individuals who, because of their faith, did things with their faith. They had action. They obeyed God. So uh, what is true faith? True faith is uh, a faith that responds in obedience. Of course, you can also look at James chapter 2, verses uh, uh, 24, well, several verses there in James chapter 2. I think uh, I think it's verses 14 to the end of the chapter. But uh, faith only? No. The one place that we read about uh, faith only, it's, uh, James says, uh, not by faith only. You can go and read that. And uh, we have to show our faith through the works that we do, or that is through uh, living an obedient lifestyle. So there is a type of belief that leads to the saving of the soul. Again, read the next chapter in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, you'll see that it is an obedient faith. So that's a, that's a long uh, kind of side note, but a very important one. Uh, we don't need to take James, I mean, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 out of context. Now, verse number two, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So again, there's a direct correlation between number one, loving God, number two, loving one another, and number three, keeping the commandments of God. Now, why do you think that is? Well, I think the answer lies in the fact that the commandments themselves, uh, that shows us that we love God and love one another because what are the two greatest commandments? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the rest of the commandments hinge on those two. When I love God, well, I won't forsake him for idols. When I love God, I'll keep him first. When I love God, I will be an active 
member of uh, his church, edifying the body in love, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, etc. These things uh, I involve myself in because I love God. And don't forget, last week we talked about how uh, perfect love casts out fear. And so as we grow as Christians, yes, we always fear God, but we also should tremendously love him, which would inspire us uh, further to action for him and his kingdom as well. Now, what about my neighbor? When I love my neighbor, well, I won't steal from him. I won't lie to him. Uh, I won't curse him to his face or gossip or backbite him, uh, th- say things negatively about him behind his back, etc. And so both of the two greatest commandments, uh, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, both of them uh, fall in line with making sure that all of, uh, of, uh, all of the commandments of God are kept to the best of our ability uh, by those of us who are Christians. Now, verse number three, John writes, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, especially notice that second half of the verse, his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, Christianity, and we're talking about faithful Christianity, not perfection, but faithfulness, is doable. Don't ever let anybody tell you that it isn't. You're an everyday Christian, hopefully listening to this podcast. Don't let anybody convince you that you can't do it, that you can't be faithful to God because you can. By the way, also don't let er, don't let uh, anyone ever tell you, oh, we're in the New Testament, so uh, commandments aren't important. And that, there's a lot of that go, that goes around. That's not true. Uh, excuse me, what testament are we reading right now in First John? Oh, that's the New Testament? That's right. So commandments do matter to God. They have always mattered to God. We have to obey God. Uh, so again, he says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, that said, when we've done everything that he asked us to do, and I don't know about you, but I've I've failed before, so I haven't done everything that God asked me to do, right? But if we had, even if we had done everything that God asked us to do, what are we still, according to Luke 17, verse 10? We're still most unprofitable servants. And so we always have to have that humility about us. We need to, again, rely on the mercy and grace of of God, of course. And uh, there are things that he requires of us to go to heaven. But guess what? This verse says that those things are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. And so it's just a matter of uh, if we're going to be willing to humble ourselves and follow them or not. Verse number four, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Do you believe that? You know, sometimes we sing that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But do we truly believe it? Because we can overcome this sinful world around us and be faithful to God. But we have to keep our faith intact. Verse number five, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Obviously, the answer to this rhetorical question is that exactly who will overcome the world would be the believer in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, again, when we say that, we're talking about faithful 
Christians. That would be a, a believer. Again, a believer is somebody who's going to faithfully keep the Lord's commandments. Now, verses 6 through 13, we're going to notice the certainty of God's witness to the truth of the gospel. Now, I said early in the podcast that uh, some of this is a little tricky. I'm going to do my best with it. Um, there's some of the wording here that I'm still a little still a little uh, perplexed by, I guess, but but we'll we'll go with what uh, Brother Guy and Wood says uh, in his commentary for a lot of this. And uh, speaking of verse number six, Brother Guy and Woods in his commentary says this is probably the most difficult uh, verse of the entire epistle, uh, a couple of these verses, verses six and seven. So anyways, we're going to go with what he says in this section, and uh, hopefully that is uh, right, but uh, you can study this on your own. But uh, verse number six, again, we're talking about the certainty of God's witness to the truth of the gospel. Verse six, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Now, I immediately think of John chapter 3 when I'm reading this. Uh, we, In order to be born again, we must be born of water and of the Spirit. And you see water and the Spirit in this verse as well as the blood. So probably a connection there. But uh, Brother Woods says that this is probably re- referring to the water of Christ baptism, Matthew chapter 3, verse 15. And of course, we have to be baptized, Mark 16, 16, and many other verses as well. And then also, as far as the blood is concerned, of course, the blood that uh, Jesus shed on his cross for us, John 19, verse 34, the blood uh, that purchased his church, Acts 20, verse 28. So if you look at that verse in John 19, verse 34, uh, that's when the soldiers put forth the spear into the Lord's side, and immediately there came forth blood and water. So both blood and water mentioned in that verse. But as far as what uh, Brother Guy in Woods thinks here, his idea is that it makes sense that the water is referring to the water of Jesus' baptism. Uh, because if you remember, at that time, the Holy Spirit, who is also mentioned in this verse, the Holy Spirit descended upon Christ like a dove, and uh, that's when we hear, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So the Holy Spirit was bearing witness to the fact at that moment that this indeed was the Son of God, who would save people from their sins. So the idea that from the beginning of Christ's ministry to the end of it, from the water of his baptism to the blood of his crucifixion, the Holy Spirit bore witness to the fact that this indeed was the Son of God. Now, in keeping in context with the book of 1 John, the main part of John's message is that this was indeed the Son of God, God in the flesh, and we must believe in him. And John dealing with the Gnostic heresies of the day, all of this makes sense that he's uh, emphasizing this at this point. Now, as far as the second half of verse number six, again, we'll we'll read it, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. So this is where we come in and affirm that the Holy Spirit 
again, bore witness to the facts of the gospel and the fact that this Jesus was the Christ. Now, you couldn't miss Jesus. You could not miss him if you were honestly searching for the Messiah during the time that he was alive. And if we honestly search for him in our Bibles today, we also won't miss him either. You know, you you read the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, and Jesus is all over the entire book. The Old Testament, we're looking forward to Jesus. Jesus. The uh, gospel accounts, we're reading the life of Jesus and, of course, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then uh, onward from there in the New Testament, uh, basically, we're we're reading uh, how to be faithful to Jesus with the various epistles that uh, are written in the rest of the New Testament. And uh, so anyways, Jesus is is throughout the Bible. Uh, the Spirit is the truth. John 17, verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And who gave us the word? Well, the Spirit did. The Spirit is involved in uh, inspiration of the Scriptures. Uh, he's he's involved in other things as well, but certainly one of the main things that, that the Holy Spirit uh, is involved in, was involved in, is uh, He gave us uh, the inspired Scriptures. So the Spirit gave us the truth. Now, these next couple of verses, verses 7 and 8, again, kind of a difficult section. These these verses have always been kind of tricky to me, but we don't need to overthink it. At least I'll try not to, and I'll try not to uh, over-explain it either. Uh, but verse number 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. So this obviously is the Godhead, the Godhead in heaven, uh, Father, the Word, or the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Obviously, they uh, are all in agreement that Jesus was the Christ. Verse number 8, and there are three that bear witness on earth. So in heaven, uh, there are three that bear witness, and that would be the three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, there are three that bear witness on earth. Again, the Spirit, and and I assume that's talking about the the miracles that he performed in the first century. So the Spirit, uh, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. So there's unity in the teaching of uh, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. So at Jesus' baptism... What bore witness to his deity? The water and the the spirit, right? So the water, that's his baptism, and, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and the words were heard, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, so the spirit. Uh, and then at Jesus' death, what bore witness to his deity again? The blood and the spirit. And uh, there was water there too, of course. Uh, blood and water came forth again from his side. So the three are in agreement that this was the Christ. And I think that, that's my best guess. Well, I don't want to say guess, but that's that's my best uh, understanding here in uh, verse number eight. And again, I hope you, you're bearing with me as we're working through this. Again, these are some difficult verses. Verse number nine, uh, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. If you believe the witness of mere men about Christ, that's great, and and certainly the the apostles that were eyewitnesses of Christ, 
We need to believe what they said about him. But even better than the eyewitness accounts of men that John mentioned at the beginning of the book, uh, John First chap- John chapter 1 and John chapter 1, but John says that we also have the witness of God himself that this is true. The witness of God is even greater than the witness of men. Verse number 10, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. Who is the witness in the Christian's self? Well, God. Those who do not believe in their own mind uh, make God out to be a liar. And uh, we could go back earlier in First John to uh, chapter 1. Also, a similar verse says, if we say in verse number 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And then uh, verse number 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him out, or out's not there, but it's the idea that we make him a liar, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Of course, God is not a liar, but we make him out to be such in our own minds uh, if we are so foolish as to say that we don't sin. So anyways, those who do not believe, they make out God to be a liar, and uh, we don't want to be guilty of that on the judgment day because God is not a liar. God is um, all good, and he tells the he, he tells all the truth uh, all the time. Sadly, unfortunately, though, many people do uh, call God a liar essentially because they reject Jesus Christ. Verse 11, as we're getting ready to wrap up, verse 11, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So the testimony, the facts of the gospel, what do uh, witnesses provide? They provide a testimony. And what has John just uh, been discussing? The testimony of all these witnesses uh, to the gospel. Verse number 12, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Again, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And uh, this is a very plain statement, doesn't really need a lot of explaining. Salvation is found exclusively in Jesus. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Again, salvation is found exclusively in Jesus. Another passage, Acts 4, verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that's talking about the name of Jesus Christ. Finally, verse number 13, and this is where we'll wrap up for this week. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may wonder, that you may speculate, that you may guess whether or not you have eternal life, that you may uh, bite your fingernails and just live in constant anxiety. No, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the blessed assurance that we oftentimes sing about and that is written 
all over the book of 1 John. We can know that we have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. These witnesses are enough for us to believe it and to know it and to uh, make sure that we're saved. Uh, I think it's Peter that writes that we need to make our calling and election sure. So we have everything that we need to know about the Son of God and salvation right here in God's Word. Second Peter 1 verse 3, according as His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by glory and virtue. Second Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, are thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second Timothy 2 verse 15 says that we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that need, that, uh, need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So when we put all of that together, we read our Bibles, we see what it says, we can know whether we are saved or not. Probably, if you're listening to the Everyday Christian podcast, Probably you're a Christian. I certainly hope so. Not just a Christian, but a faithful Christian. If you're not sure for some reason, maybe go back and check the uh, episodes that we did last season on the plan of salvation and make sure. You want to make your calling and election sure. Uh, If not, uh, if you're not sure, who's the only one that would be to blame? Well, that'd be yourself. I realize maybe, uh, maybe there's been false teachers that have taught you something that wasn't true, and maybe as you've studied the material on this podcast, maybe uh, the material on uh, other podcasts with the Scattered Abroad Network and with Gospel Broadcasting Network and various other uh, podcasting platforms, maybe you look and you say, you know what, I've been deceived. Maybe that is the case. But still, ultimately, uh, the salvation of your soul, you have to make sure that you respond in that you become a Christian and that you stay faithful because your salvation is something that, um, <clears throat> based on what we read in God's Word, it's something that's it's going to be uh, decided uh, by the Lord. He will uh, determine whether you're saved or lost, and you can know that based on what you read in God's Word. So I hope that you will consider that. Again, I hope that you're an everyday Christian and a faithful one at that. Uh, if you're not a Christian for some reason, again, go back and study those those uh, podcast episodes on the plan of salvation and make sure that you become a Christian uh, today while you have opportunity. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. Lord willing, next week we will wrap up our discussion of First John chapter 5, and that will mean that we will have wrapped up our discussion of the book of First John so that we can then go into Second John and Third John and the epistle of Jude as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.